0: With this project, I really wanted to find something that really expresses who I am fully and some part of the community that I really fall into. I've always tried to find a way to blend my modeling and my photography, and I could never really find a way to blend them. Mm. And I was really scared. I was, because it felt like a very vulnerable part of me.
1: That is photographer Violeta Gonzalez, and on this episode of Creative Mind, we're going to break down her documentary project that she's been working on that gets into the world of cam models and sex workers. And take a look at how she has been using photography, the traditional kind, 35 millimeter film and digital photography, as well as more modern virtual types of photography, including zoom and screenshots and even Polaroids when she gets the chance. So if you are interested in the world of documentary photography, the world of books as a documentary element, then grab a pen and paper and take some notes as we talk with the wonderful photographer, Violeta Gonzalez.
0: With photography, I've always felt that I needed to use it as a tool to tell stories, not just Any story, but stories that are very vulnerable to individuals, specifically like minorities or marginalized people. Documentary has always been my niche. And I've always loved fine art as well, so I've tried to create a way where I can implement both with my work. I do love portraiture, for sure. I do love doing editorial work, but my love has always been for documentary.
1: Because there is a portraiture angle to your work, but at the same time, it is very much kind of fly on the wall and seeing everything. But what led you to photography in the first place? Was there other art forms you were interested in, or was it always, I want to work in the world of photography?
0: Yeah, so I didn't really know that I wanted to do photography. I kind of juggled between majors and trying to figure out what I wanted to do for a long time in my college education as an undergrad. But Eventually, I dabbled into different art forms, and then I did a couple semesters of darkroom photography. And
1: So you're like a real photographer. You've shot film.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I
1: say that not to be cute, but to be completely obnoxious and cynical. Like, no, you're a real photographer.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to learn film so you understand and appreciate the digital form. I don't know. Film really taught me the patience to understand just... The work that really you have to put into photography and how to really curate it and how to give it that importance that you really want to express in your work. So
1: it's interesting. I I picked up started shooting film again recently. and, and you know, We had joked about this before, but you mentioned curation, and I think that's a polite way of saying, "Holy crap, this stuff is expensive." Yeah. Now, where you know <laughs> some of us who've only people who've only shot digital, they you know you just spray and pray and just. I can shoot five thousand images, and if one's good, that's great. but now with film, yeah, it's you have to very carefully think about what you're doing.
0: right, exactly. and that how to frame your subject, what the lighting you want to use for your subject, you have to really think about it rather than just click away. You
1: still can't see it immediately.
0: exactly. <laughs> Are
1: you shooting thirty five or two and a quarter or?
0: I shoot 35, but I also shoot medium format. I love my Mamiya RZ67. Jeez, yeah, that's that's hardcore. (laughs) I just don't shoot it as much because I want to be very careful (laughs) with that. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, just film is expensive and to process it. I would process it myself because I used to, but right now just not having my own darkroom is hard.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. Every now and then I, I go down a rabbit hole and you look on Instagram and you're like,
0: Okay, that's an easy darkroom, kid. Okay. Okay. And then there's that
1: scanner thing. Okay, I can do this. And they're like, oh, that's $5,000. Yeah. Your house smells like chemicals forever. <laughs>
0: exactly. And then not having the correct space in San Francisco to be able to like have your own darkroom yeah. without worrying about having to move again. <laughs> so right. it's like, should I build it? Should I not? Maybe I'll I fin- wait. <laughs> I
1: finally got it set up. Now I got to go. Yeah. So, you know, you came to the Academy and you, you finally settled on photography and you had to do your thesis project or, or your final project for, for your bachelor's. Walk us through this project because this is, this is a very intense, very emotional, very personal, but extremely beautiful and well thought out project that could easily have gone wrong and gone very, 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 very bad. And your version is is very, very good. So, you know, set this up for us. What did you bring to the instructors as the idea?
0: At first, I was really unsure of what I would do for my final project. Everybody already had an idea of what they were going to do. And my focus in documentary had always been on, like, Mexican and minorities, culture, and specifically in the mission. But it had been really hard for me to really latch on to those projects because I felt like they needed a lot more time and just a, a lot more to learn from those experiences that I wasn't specifically personally targeted as or in, as I would Sure, say. that is that
1: hard part with documentary where it's like, how much do you really know about it?
0: Exactly. And and even though I'm related to these situations and issues in some way, I just haven't been personally attacked in that way where I can understand it fully to its full capacity. But What do
1: you mean by attack? So what was one concept that you
0: had? There's a project that I've been working on called Mission Workers and it's based in the San Francisco mission and it's basically expressing the gentrification that's been happening throughout the years. But it kind of just fell into this project by walking around, getting to know the community and finding workers throughout the Mission District that work from the garage. And they've been working out of their garage for 20 plus years. And it it really surprised me. And it was amazing to see and how little there was left of it. Because I felt like it was a big thing before, you know, and, and so normal. And now it's so rare that... Every time I would talk to them or see new people, they were just like, it's different now. It's sure, not... all those
1: home-based businesses that yeah. kind of fly under the radar. Right. Very much a, a migrant, you know, very often a Latino right. aspect yeah. to the, to that work car repair and, and food and, and what else am I missing? Yeah,
0: there were painters uh, sure. from their garage and one of them is like, much older, like in his 70s, I believe, and he was just telling me, I wish I could go back to Mexico now. There's nothing here for (laughs) me anymore. It's not the same the way art sells, and especially Mm. here in the Mission, it's so different. And I was just like, man, I don't know, because I haven't been here for that long, and I specifically don't have any family that works from home, you know, (laughs) um, from their garage, but it really hit in the heart, you know, like I empathize really hard with that, and... It's just been really interesting, but I feel like that project specifically, I need to really dig and really get to know these people and in a way where maybe have them become my friends and just have a cup of tea instead of just photographing every moment, you know?
1: Thank you. I've got what I need. I'm leaving now. Exactly.
0: I I don't want it to feel like that. I want to actually have them feel heard and understand where they're coming from and really get to know them. And those kind of projects I feel like are really long term so with this sex work project which I've been calling we all need safety it's still a working title okay okay
1: <laughs> yeah I was gonna ask you because that was one of the titles that I'd seen that makes a lot of sense yeah and we'll, we'll break it down
0: yeah yeah but with this project I really wanted to find something that really expresses who I am fully and some part of the a community that I really fall into I've always, try to find a way to blend my modeling and my photography, and I could never really find a way to blend them. I always had them very separate. I never really talked about modeling or any of that in school or even just in general. I really had to pick who I could speak to about these things. But when I brought it up to Timothy Archibald, he loved it. He was really, like, surprised about why wouldn't I attack this, you know, or tackle it, and I was really scared. I was, because it felt like a very vulnerable part of me, and it is, but I just didn't know how people would take it or see it, and at the end of the day, I just kind of had to think to myself, who cares what people think?
1: Right, because there, I mean, it seems almost like a generation ago that, you know, Mid '90s up until the early 2000s, we had suicide girls. We had actual magazines. You know, yeah. f- you know, <laughs> someone like me who wanted to photograph. You know, it's like I want to work for Playboy or Maxim. You right. know, There was and the suicide girl uh, movement and you know more female f- empowered photographers and then it kind of disappeared and then it went to the internet and you know we'll talk about this concept of erotica versus pornography versus sex work which now has cleaner and I think more proper delineation, where before it was just naked and bad and clothed and good seemed to be the way it used to be. And now correct me if I'm wrong or or help explain that it's very different now.
0: I mean, before I feel like sex work has always been more geared towards prostitution. But now the word has really grown in a way where it's almost everything that implies sex work, even when you're not fully nude because there's some sexual pleasure happening between one person and another consensually. So it's evolved, it's become a lot more broad, a lot more generalized. And some sex workers don't like that. Some sex workers do. But in the end, it's just... What we would call the sex industry,
1: mm-hmm. sure, not okay.
0: specifically sex okay. work.
1: Yeah, because yeah, I had to look it up because when you know we were talking about this and I was like, S- "Sex work sounds like a new term," and it it is relatively. It's I think mid '60s, early '70s that term as a more of a proper term to not marginalize people was brought about, and you know it's become considerably more popular now and acceptable.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because you can talk about sex work a little bit more than before, even just five years ago. Like, I didn't really feel like it was as safe. But then again, the Internet made it safer, you know, and just communities coming together really made it a little bit more safer and more comfortable in a way where you can express yourself fully. And so how
1: did that prompt this project? What was the beginnings of this idea you had for this documentary project?
0: So, to tackle it at first, I wasn't really sure who I would photograph or how I would photograph it, so I decided to photograph myself while I was being photographed by another photographer, and I wanted to do like a little behind-the-scenes kind of shoot where I kind of ignored that there was that camera back there and just kind of captured everything. Every 30 seconds, a photo would be captured, and... See what would come. And I really wanted to see those candid moments, the in between moments, not the posed moments, to really show that it's not always so sad or so happy, even. You know, like it can't yeah, can be just work.
1: You I was going to say, I mean? it's got to be kind of, there is that whole idea of like, Oh, she's naked and she's posing. It's a fake face. And as soon as the cameras go away, everything's terrible.
0: Right. And And I'm sure
1: there's moments of that. Yeah. But just depends on the day. (laughs) Right. right. We all feel that whether we're taking our clothes off or not. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that, that, yeah, that does make sense where it's like, it might not be all that. Right. You might not be getting what you want. Correct?
0: Yeah. I just really wanted to show that it's just another day at work, you know, and it's not always so jolly or i mean yeah i feel sexy some of the times or sometimes i don't it's just a way to express myself and try to feel good sometimes it just depends on the day <laughs> it really just depends on the so day so that that first
1: kind of trial shoot you know i want to talk about it from the the emotional and the artistic side and then i want to talk about it from the uh, you know okay how do i make this work right <laughs> how did you think about getting it to work what was the actual get into the nerdy gear aspect of it all
0: I knew I had to use a tripod, <laughs> and sure. I'm used to not using a tripod. I like having control, so not really having the control was really hard, and just sitting away and hoping it all yeah.
1: came together. <laughs> so you're taking direction from one photographer. Yeah. But you're probably directing more than him. Right. And then at the same time, you are got one eye... Cross-eyed. Well, I'm trying not to look because
0: (laughs) I want to make sure it doesn't look like I'm aware. (laughs) I mean, in between breaks, I would go check on it and make sure, like, the angle was correct or I'm getting enough information of the environment as well as respecting that they didn't want to be photographed. Okay, and the Um, photographer didn't want to get... Yeah, there were two photographers, mind you, that day. Aside from me. (laughs) So it was three of us, in a way. (laughs) (laughs) I was being photographed by two, (laughs) which is really interesting and really made it fun. And I wanted to really see what that would look like. And honestly, that first shoot just really brought out interesting power dynamics that happen in not just sex work, but also in the photography industry. And... There's one specific photo that I actually used in my book that you can see his silhouette and it's just over my body by, mm. while being photographed. And it just kind of shows how much power there can be with male dominating in sex work as well as just the photography industry. Sure, That's also another thing I wanna change as a photographer
1: and bring a whole community together. Okay. Yeah, many of us have been forced to read the the Susan Sontag essay on photography and modeling and and things like that. We all joke, but there is a phallic aspect to a camera and a long lens, and I'm in control of it, and you're going to do what I say person in front of me, but that does switch back and forth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely can. Yeah, it just depends on the person or how well educated they are. (laughs) Sure.
1: But you you were saying for you, and and correct me if I'm wrong, that you felt more empowered or there were times where, you know, you were more in control because you were directing?
0: I mean, I wasn't directing necessarily because this shoot was for his own portfolio, but it was also for me to use for my own content online. So it was just a kind of like a trade-off trade,
1: trade for print yeah situation
0: and he's a good friend of mine so it, it didn't feel like anyone was bigger than the other but it does feel like sometimes i'm not as empowered or i am more empowered so it, it depends on the photographer as well and also what we're shooting and how comfortable it is because when it comes to like erotica or implied photo shoots it can be a little touchy and that's specifically like actual physically touchy but it, I mean there's moments where it can get <laughs> touchy. Yeah of course yeah. But.
1: But that's that's the conversation you have before the cameras go. Yeah.
0: Hopefully. Uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So usually I like to see who or what each person person's vibe is before I meet them and there's always the whole well should I bring someone with me should I not and even just as a model and and then if people knew that I am a sex worker like are they going to treat me differently are they not so there's always this different levels you know of trying to figure out how safe you are and how comfortable you are and how much power you really have But I like to think most of the time I do.
1: For those of us that have done modeling photography, that does come up when you're trying to just a person in front of your camera modeling. You know, forget what the subject matter and what they're actually going to be doing is. But it is that thing Even when you're a photographer, like, well, do I want them to bring a friend? Do I want to make sure they bring a friend? Do I want to make sure I don't get blamed? Do I want to make sure they are comfortable? How, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, Sometimes the, the, the subject needs somebody to help bring them out. Then that's a whole other question. Is that the real person you're photographing and you know, all that? Yeah. Guy? That's a whole other thing.
0: With this project, I, I also had to think about that. Even as a female, I want to make sure they're comfortable doing whatever it is that they want to in front of the camera and not feel forced to shoot any content that I don't want to, even as sex workers and being a sex worker, you know, just because I do what you do. Doesn't mean you have to do it in front of the camera for me, you know. And I want to make sure people understood that.
1: Because I'm guessing that they're even within, you know, when you say sex worker, so often, oftentimes people will go, "Well, that just means anything goes," right? And that's right, not the case. Exactly. Okay.
0: Exactly. So there,
1: there's a line, and there's a a list of dos and don'ts, and yeah, and what's acceptable, and what what we're going to be working on today.
0: Yeah, and as a photographer, I, I find that it's best to just be as open as you can with your model and just tell them that you're here and you want them to be as comfortable as you know you would want them to be because you don't want them to be uncomfortable because then your photos aren't going to be good first of all and then secondly you're probably not going to have clients after that.
1: Sure, exactly. These are really ugly photos. Uh, You want me to do what now? Um, But so after that first shoot that you did and you had that first experimentation of, okay, we got it. Yeah. Did that give you the feeling and the output that you wanted for this project?
0: Yeah, it did. I really wanted to do the same thing for other sex workers and be able to go into their own environment wherever they create content in. Either if it's during a photo shoot with another photographer or, you know, at home while they're creating their own content or even, I don't know, there's some strippers that still, you know, work at a strip club and even there they'll create online content and things like that. So it really, it was hard at first Mm. because... COVID. (laughs) And at first I was like, okay, well, maybe I won't be able to go into the environments that each individual lives in or works in due to the pandemic. So I had to really figure out how it would work. And I kept shooting myself and I kept trying to experiment and see who would be willing to shoot.
1: What was the pitch then? What were you coming to the people you were photographing with? What was the story that you presented to them? Like, I want to shoot you doing this because fill in the blank.
0: It was more in a way where, hey, I'm reaching out, and I wanted to share with you a project that I'm working on. Here's a little bit of background, you know, and it's about sex work, sex workers, and sex worker needs, and it's a documentary photo project, and I would like to see if you'd be interested in being photographed or interviewed.
1: And was there a preconceived outcome, anyway?
0: Yeah, I wanted to at least share something where they can have an idea of what it would look like. And so I built a mood board, and I also added some of the photographs that I shot of myself so then they can have an idea of what exactly I'm photographing. Because when people think sex work, even sometimes sex workers, you know, it's like, oh, it's the dirty stuff. It's, it's, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's <that>. having sex. <laughs> it's that good stuff? <laughs> so, and it's like, no, it's not going to be that bolder. Right.
1: Yeah, right, right, right. And that's important. I mean, yeah. that's... Even for in a fine art standpoint, right. even in a documentary standpoint, that I'm not going to say it crosses the line, but it does change how people view what you're doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I needed it to be in a way where everybody could be comfortable with it and be able to look at it and not be shocked or, I mean, not necessarily shocked, but not afraid to look at it, Right. <laughs> you know, something a little bit more relatable or more familiar.
1: Yeah, because what was the goal for the viewer? Not necessarily the people you were photographing, but when the project's done, and you're going to have somebody who looks at your work, somebody who goes and you know, picks up the book or looks at the website or a gallery show, what is it you're wanting them to feel? What is the story you're trying to tell them?
0: With my audience, I just really wanted to be able to share all these stories, all these diverse stories of each sex worker that I get to talk to and really express that it's not as bad, I guess it would be the word, as the media portrays things. It's actually, it takes a lot more than what people think. And a lot of people lately have been thinking, oh, it's it's easy. You just post a pic and then you make a lot of money, you know, and not necessarily, not everybody. It makes a lot of money instantly.
1: (laughs) Yes, the headlines of OnlyFans of millions and millions of dollars are made every week. I'm sure that's far, far from the case.
0: Yeah. I just really wanted to show what are the good parts in the sex work and also Mm. what are the actual struggles that we deal with.
1: What are some of those struggles? Because, I mean, even though it's at home, I'm sure safety is still an issue beyond cyberbullying at the least, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah, and there's, there's also like, for example, I had talked to Kimi Kalamati and she had told me, or they had told me, sorry, that basically just using certain sites just to post videos or anything like that, it's still very marginalized. Mar, marginalized. <laughs> Margin-
1: okay. Marginalized. There we marginalized. go. Marginalized. <laughs> yes. You can take it back. Still very marginalized.
0: Yeah. So when it comes to tagging videos and trying to share their content, you know, as a agender assigned male at birth who dresses in women's clothes, being able to tag themselves in a way that it actually expresses who they are is difficult, you know, and and it's interesting because we see that a lot with race. We see that a lot with ethnic groups and it's interesting because, you know, it's, In a way, it's kind of
1: icky. Yeah, it does get down to the grossest way. And it's like, why why does it gotta be like that? Yeah.
0: And and then there's like all these weird politics that come into play, you know, and how people have to be categorized or seen as instead of having to be fully yourself. And then a lot of people do sex work because they want to express themselves fully and be independent and feel free. So it's interesting to really see websites, especially social sites and sex worker sites, still really push these things.
1: Sure, yeah. You know, at the end, they're marketing to somebody.
0: Exactly. How you market it yourself yeah. and a force to market yourself in order to have clientele.
1: Were there any safety issues that you were worried about or that you ran into while you were photographing anybody or –
0: The only really safety issues that I feel I was worried about were just making sure I was respectful with who wanted to stay anonymous and who, because not everybody's open about sex work and a lot of people also do this on the side, you know, to get through school or whatever it may be.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. But, you know, to go back, I'm sure many of your subjects had run into issues before as well. So when you ha- you you the project tentatively is titled, you know, for safety, based around safety, were these subjects, you know, were, was it hard to sell them on the idea? Were they very trepidatious, or was it? Uh, like, oh, you're just another person trying to yeah exploit me now.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I was going to mention that I definitely was worried when you know bringing up the conversation at first and trying to find individuals to photograph, I was nervous because I'm just another photographer coming to them and saying, hey, I want to photograph sex work and I want to photograph you. And
1: Right, you're the 10th person this week don't... who's told me that story. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and maybe they don't know that I do sex work. So they're probably like, what do you want, you know, with my photos of me mm. and who are you trying to show, you know, or just exploit them. And then that's yeah. not what I want to do. Yeah. Actually, I'm trying to.
1: You're going to monetize this when you're gone. and, <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure it's got to be, the, you know, I know every person who's ever picked up a camera has had that thing. Like, hey, I want to take pictures of you and then I have no money. And that can be very, you know, honest. And then at the same time, it's like, oh, I, I'm going to sell these photos yeah. to you or know, whatever. I'm not going to give you nothing.
0: I mean, I've had people that did not reply at all. And there's been times where I even reached out to, like, you know, people with, like, 70,000 followers or whatever. But I just assumed they're really busy working, <laughs> doing the, be- the thing that they do best. Mm. <laughs> so, but there, yeah, there's also some that, Even though it wasn't like a paid shoot or anything, they were just really excited about the fact that I was going to bring this out and talk about it
1: in a way. how, How
0: did you decide
1: to pick your subjects? Was there a thread that you were following?
0: No, I just kind of went through my Instagram and I used my modeling Instagram specifically. And I also have that linked to my other Instagram, which I go by Ultra V. And so it's Ultra V Shoots, and I used that one to reach out since it was already linked to my modeling so then they could see that I'm also involved in the community. So that was helpful because if I were to use my regular Instagram for photography, my Violetta imagery, they would have been like, what is this? Mexican girl want (laughs) what is she trying to do is she trying to bring religion over here I'm like no (laughs) I'm actually not religious (laughs) I just love being Mexican
1: (laughs) the the Guadalupe is a very common icon it's just
0: beautiful but I don't follow (laughs) yeah but one of the big issues I mean specifically with like politics how have, have been like recent laws like FOSTA and SESTA which was what Donald Trump had Yeah explain
1: that to me I I
0: Yeah it's the law what that was amended in section 230 which protects online platforms from lawsuits related to third party content posted on their sites which is to make an exception for sites that host content promoting sex work involving sex trafficking victims. So FOSTA um, stands for Allow States and Victims to Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, and then SESTA stands for Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. And this really attacks online sites and just sex workers in general because it's not necessarily sex trafficking, you know, and how would you even know that there's online sex trafficking? How does that even work? You know, I'm <laughs> confused on that. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, that I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure it does, um, because <laughs> unfortunately, you know, n- never underestimate the power of uh, creeps.
0: Well, yeah, like um, the old AOL, you know, yeah the uh, chat. <laughs>
1: yeah, but when you were picking your subjects, was there a specific criteria Or a vibe you were looking for?
0: Not necessarily. At first, I just went for it and said, shoot as much as possible and see what happens. See what falls into play. Because I just thought, the more I can get from different angles, the better I'll know what feels right and what doesn't work. So at like three to four months then of trying to do this project, with the pandemic and all, It kind of just geared towards online work and specifically with the blow up of OnlyFans. You know, it just blew up during the pandemic because people had no jobs. Nowhere else to go. And And they got to figure it out. And I think that really also kind of pushed the norm in kind of creating this interesting way of making sex work a little bit more comfortable to talk about?
1: Uh, it, it did seem very quickly to be, well, strip clubs were always marginalized and very much a wink and a nod, ha ha ha, it's a bachelor party or yeah. it's a Saturday night or Wednesday morning and I'm not telling anybody. But if we're all at home and nobody can see us doing anything, yeah. both the person watching the content and the person making the content, you're perfectly capable, perfectly yeah. safe to do it. In theory.
0: You're right. It's interesting because even people that just wanted to post, you know, photos of them in lingerie or just dancing even. But, I mean, there's still those who categorize themselves as not sex workers because of doing all that. (laughs) And it's interesting because you're like, well, I mean, you're kind of doing it for the pleasure of somebody else. But... I don't know, there's all that. Yeah, that's a... (laughs) (laughs) Political...
1: Yeah, that does get in... Yeah, it has to be interesting. Is there, for some of the people you spoke to, is there a competition or an opinion on Instagram models versus OnlyFans or models that associate closer or more directly as I am doing sex work?
0: Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of models that do like nude or erotic photo shoots but wouldn't consider themselves sex workers and there's some that do consider it sex work. So it it just really depends. There's one sex worker, Sita Caitlin, who has been doing this for 25 plus years. She used to be a stripper and then went off and did full-on sex work and she was just telling me that, well she doesn't believe that, nude photography and you know just lingerie photography counts as sex work because no one's really gaining much from it like physically and I thought that was interesting
1: yeah that's an odd <laughs>
0: yeah and I was like okay well I guess that makes sense in a way because you know sex work was so different then and now people just think everything's sex work <laughs> in a way <laughs> and it's like yeah I mean it could be but it can't it really just depends on what it is, I guess. So so as
1: you were then going and shooting this and starting to develop the stories, where did you drill down? Where did you start to focus more?
0: I started to really just latch on to those who reply back and try to get them to shoot as soon as possible. And I played with FaceTime. I played with Zoom. I also played with photographing my desktop screen and see how that would look. And in the end, I had to kind of fall into shooting online. Oh, wow. (laughs) So, and it kind of worked.
1: So your camera was their webcam?
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Exactly. But I, I was able to still connect with others and go to their spaces too. So I think having the balance of both Of being there while they're creating content for online, but also communicating online and being like a client, for example, having that intimate one-on-one really brought out what sex work can be, you know, that.
1: So, So you had that experience.
0: Yeah. Sharing that experience with others and how people just want to talk sometimes or just want to have some some kind of love, <laughs> and whatever it may be, yeah. and it's fun. It was really fun for me to just be the client. For example, I just pretend that I was in photographing, and <laughs> experiencing it. and I was like, wow, this is this is intense. This is, I'm not I'm not used to this. this I'm, I- I'm thinking specifically of uh, Marie Bell because she's a financial dominatrix, and yeah,
1: you have to explain that to me. I couldn't figure that one out.
0: So it's just.
1: I mean, I'm be, familiar with other dominatrix, but very, the financial one I couldn't figure. It <laughs> didn't, didn't, make, didn't immediately click.
0: Yeah, it's basically just like a dominatrix, but kind of more online in a way. And also just, you know, draining people's wallets. And people love it. People love to drain their wallets for other women or men or whoever it may be. And it's really interesting because I told her, I was like, pretend I'm a client. <laughs> talk to me like I'm a client <laughs> and the way that I was like oh it made me want to give up my money <laughs> <laughs> why is the hair on the back of my
1: neck standing up this
0: is okay
1: I all right I will go to the ATM yeah
0: and it's just like a dominatrix where they're you know wearing latex or like leather but she never had to get sexual and she's never had to get sexual I mean she's created content where it's you know like nude or in lingerie and things like that but it's still pleasurable to the client, which I found really interesting and right, there fascinating. Is a,
1: there is a lot of, when you're separated via cameras, there is a lot of role playing yeah. that comes into this. There is a, it's I'm a character, you're a character, we're characters together, we're having a very intimate one-act play. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so we all know it's fake, but you know we have the hell however long our session is, this is... Yeah. What we're going to do.
0: I mean, I tell them also, like, feel free to actually create content. I'm not going to tell you to do more than you want to and do whatever you're comfortable in front of the camera, but totally post whatever you're going to shoot. And then also, I've been thinking about using some of those actual images that they shoot and implementing it to the project, which I think would be interesting like having multiple perspectives on one page and seeing different angles of what it looks like to them, what it looks like to the client, and what it looks like to the photographer.
1: Because you did capture that, which I thought was such a very fascinating part of the final product and the final manuscript, so to speak, was when we think photography, documentary, work, okay, here's the photos. It's obvious I am removed from the scene. I have taken a picture of it. But then you had screenshots of the messaging and screenshots of the, was it the algorithm or the- The The graphs. The graphs. The financial financial graphs graphs.
0: of what is made monthly.
1: And and yeah, it was a very unique way of like, this is part of that experience. You know, the heart, heart, eggplant, eggplant, heart, heart, heart (laughs) uh, idea, which, you know, and I'm not trying to be silly, but it was like, oh, I guess this really is the full experience and part of the- Play.
0: Yeah, definitely. What what
1: brought you to capture that though?
0: I just felt like it was a a kind of detail that people don't really think about. It's that overwhelming feeling that happens when you get all these messages and also in a good way, but also in a bad way. You know, it's like, okay, how am I going to do all this? Do I have the emotional capacity? But then also, oh my God, nobody talks to me like this on the normal.
1: (laughs) The experience that you're showing here is not just I turn on a camera and I watch my screen and there's a naked person dancing. It far goes beyond that and maybe less than that. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. It's more about kind of bringing you there, putting yourself in those shoes and understanding the perspective of a client or the perspective of the sex worker and how much they have to do or how little they have to do to get whatever they need to get out of it, either financially, emotionally, you know, in all the different ways. It's interesting because sometimes I don't think about it, about like how much you have to really catch up on or how much, it can be a lot sometimes and there's like, I really want to bring in Twitter eventually to my book because Twitter has been a big part of the sex work community and it's like the only place right now where you can post uncensored content, but you still have to tiptoe. So the experience,
1: you know, you know, not just in the book, but the experience in we're forgetting about the book and we have somebody uh, who, you know, myself going online to interact with a sex worker and the sex workers side. There's, it's not just. Okay, I can, you, you normally can't see the person. You can't see me, the client, correct? But there's interaction via text or you know some sort of chat. then there's the visual aspect, the show or the visuals that you're creating or that the other people are creating, and then there's a theme, I'm guessing, so it could be you know you mentioned dominatrix or any number of things people like. And then from there, you've got the story you're capturing so. For you, what were the aspects that you really wanted to focus on beyond the initial, hi, I'm logging on, somebody's going to take off their clothes, and that's the story, which is not the story.
0: Yeah. I wanted to get into the nitty gritty, like the actual little details that nobody gets to see, you know, from being, getting ready, either getting ready from your makeup or emotionally getting ready. um, Yeah, I was going to say, that's got to be the hardest part. Yeah, because you're a whole nother persona, you know, like you bring in a, an alias and you got to act in a way, you know, it's kind of like acting. <laughs> I feel like we could all be professional actresses after this or sure. actors after for this. Sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's all those details that nobody really sees, you know, just showering even or just connecting with people and preparing and even the after, you know, trying to wind back down and... Just relax after work, yeah, That's got to be the
1: hard part because, I mean, even, you know, when you and I are talking, we're both going to be up. You know, our adrenaline's going to be pumped when we're done this. I'm going to walk around the block 10 times just because, hey, we had a great interview. Everything's exciting. And you're going to feel the same way. I, I'm sure after somebody has done their performance, the wind down has to be
0: Oh, yeah. There's, there's been a lot of Twitter group texts where it's like, hey, I need a mental health day. It's a lot. It's almost weekly sometimes. It just depends on how much work they do, and I see it a lot. I don't see it as much anymore because Twitter decided to deactivate my account (laughs) because that's what they do, social media.
1: You know, if we were to omit certain words in our conversation, we could be talking about therapy. Do you find that a lot of the work that's going on is a form of therapy for people?
0: Oh, for sure. And it's interesting because we're over here being therapists and then like sometimes we kinda need a little bit of therapy, you know, just to release everything that we just packed up onto ourselves. I'm a very empathic person, so I actually really enjoy listening to people and being there for people. And sometimes you get amazing love letters that you never really expected out of the blue from fans or clients and those moments I, I love so much because, you know, it shows that people can really love each other, you know, in a way that you're appreciated even when they barely even know you or they just know this little bit of you. And it's interesting. It's been amazing, <laughs> really, just learning through it all and having all these crazy experiences
1: Let's talk about that, because I know somebody's going to listen to this, and the first thing you're going to say is, well, nothing is that nice. Nothing is that good. Nothing is that happy. You don't understand. It gets terrible and horrible. Oh, for sure. However, (laughs) it does seem like there is some good stuff going on, and the therapy aspect is great. What In the process of this book and in the process of creating this content, what were some of those moments that were just silly, that you were just like, I can't believe, that you know, for both people, because at some point when anybody's doing anything documentary, it's like, you know, even your cynical bone comes out and goes, so I have to do that again? I need to walk back into the room, walk back out of the room. How many more times do I need to do that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one specific sex worker that I photographed. We were having a conversation while we were shooting through FaceTime, and we were just kind of like getting to know each other because we had followed each other for a long time, and we're literally on separate sides of the coast, you know, opposite sides <laughs> of, this, of the United States. So it was really fun, and they were just telling me that uh, basically her, she called her mom one day and was like, she just stopped. We were just not shooting anymore. We are just talking at this point, and she was just like, I called my mom, and I was able to tell her, I was like, Mom, someone just paid me $80 to watch me pee. And I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) And she's like, yeah. And I love this because like, she's super open with sex work and she's a photographer as well. And she was like, yeah, my mom, she'll call me and, you know, now I can help her and and help her discover herself in her sexuality. And she's like in her 40s and I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Like, I don't even think I could do that with my mom, you know, like <laughs> that would be a dream. <laughs> but I was like, that's beautiful. You know, It's it, it's hilarious, but it's also like fascinating and intriguing. And I'm just like, there's so many possibilities to what you can do and... Some of the experiences are just kind of fun. Just bizarre out (laughs) there, yeah. It has
1: to be some of the weirdest. You're kind
0: of like, do I do this? Should I? I mean, it's not bad money. Right,
1: right. I mean, it must be the thing where, because I mean, anytime you watch a film, you you watch TVs and movies, and they often either glamorize or make something the more extreme version of what sex work is, especially when you see anything that involves a dominatrix or anything that involves S&M or anything like that, and it just becomes the biggest production ever. But then is there a reality to some of that, or is it just so extreme?
0: I mean, I think it depends.
1: And I know you're not doing dominatrix work, but, yeah. but for the type of work that you've been involved in, is it just as extreme as it is, or is it just kind of you know, meat and potatoes with eh, maybe a little corn on the side, nothing too crazy? mean.
0: <laughs> I, can't, I feel like I've definitely had people ask me some weird things like they really want to watch me, you know, go number two. And I'm just like, ah, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that one. <laughs> like, I like my personal space when I'm doing that, you know?
1: <laughs> What's another one that I can conceivably put into a, uh, the Academy podcast without over-editing it? <laughs> um, is it as fantastical and bizarre as the media makes it out to be?
0: It can, your it can be okay. as bizarre, but it can be super laid back. And what I mean by laid back is like there can be clients that literally just want to sit with you and just talk to you over FaceTime and just tell them about your day. They want to hear about your day and how you are just sitting there naked talking about your day. And I, I love that. That was with one of my specific friends and... When she told me about this, I was like, wow, that's that's nice. I mean, that's a nice way to make your money. It's almost like she's going through therapy. Sure. You know, right. just getting yeah. to, like, load off on yeah. the client. And he yeah. just wants to listen. And I'm just like, wow, that's, that's beautiful. <laughs> Dude, as a married man, I'm kind of going,
1: oh, that is kind of... Yeah, just you know, I'm, I'm comfortable now. Can I just <laughs> spout off for thirty minutes and just complain politely. Just you know, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's interesting. I mean, it can be as bizarre as the media can portray it, but I think the media doesn't really portray what really happens. <laughs> it's more about the legality of it all or right. trafficking. So, so-
1: Fortunately, none of that's something you've had to deal with. No, yeah. Uh, This is all by choice, and this is all something you've chosen to do, correct? Yes, correct. (laughs) I just want to make sure to get that disclaimer out there. But let's move off from the naked time part of it and get into, you know, the more hardcore photography aspect of it. Yeah. And actually talk about how you had to create this, because, you know, in reality, with a lot of documentary work, it's like, great, here's my stuff. I have this glut of stuff. I have a great subject. Now I got to actually put the work in.
0: Yeah. I, I was a one, one man on the job. <laughs> <laughs> and I had two cameras, a Sony a7 III and my a6000. And I needed to have multiple cameras because I wanted to be able to be photographed in some of the background, but also photograph what was happening in the moment, you know, like if I had the opportunity to do a photo shoot and also have it for this project, why not?
1: So you would have a subject you were photographing and then another camera, the bird's eye view more or less, photographing the overall scene. And you're letting that just run via time-lapse or remote?
0: I put it on kind of like a time-lapse. So I set the camera up to shoot every 30 seconds. Okay, like an
1: intervalometer. Yeah. Got
0: it. Yeah, and for that one, for that camera specifically, I had a wide-angle lens because I wanted to make sure I get most of the environment. So it was either between the 24-millimeter or the 16-to-50-millimeter zoom lens. Okay. Um, And like you said,
1: this was all just you and a ton of gear.
0: Yeah, So, and I also didn't want to, like, take forever. So I had to be as prepared as possible because I didn't want to drain whoever I was photographing or take too much time out of their hands because I get that, you know, they got to work. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. T- time literally is money at this point. You're, yeah, you're taking exactly. time away from them.
0: Yeah. So, and I played around with my 85 millimeter as well to get like some detailed shots of like specifics. And I wanted to still bring in some portraiture quality to the project, but also... I needed to take it back because I tend to get super detailed and like very specific on my photography sometimes. So I need to zoom back and like step back and really get more information sometimes because I feel like it's important, especially for a project like this.
1: Sure, because you had some very common themes you had through your work. What were some of those key shots that you really wanted to make sure were there, those establishing ideas?
0: One was shooting specifically vanities where people get ready and I really wanted to show how different we each were individually and how much of our vanity can really express our personality and what we like what we don't like what colors we're into you know and I feel like that tells you a lot about not just who we are as a person but also a little bit of a sex worker that we are, you know? Like, it's
1: like looking at somebody's armor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, cause I'm thinking with color, you know, that was one of the things. It's like your
0: battle paint, you yeah, know?
1: Yeah, like, yeah, like I, I noticed when I was looking paint. at some of those, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, that, that imagery, I was like, wow, it's interesting when you do look at, you know, when you do see somebody who is a dancer or a stripper or somebody who's working performance, it's like the color palette changes dramatically. And I'm sure it's not only for the performer, but also for the, the viewer, the audience. But I get that shield <laughs> is a big change. And then almost protective, so to speak. It's a
0: it's almost sometimes like a costume, you know? You're like, you're a whole other person, suddenly. Yeah, you know, I, I know I am. If my normal self is, like, in a onesie and just editing. (laughs) And then I have this other side where I'm just like all dolled up wearing the craziest makeup in heels. And I usually don't wear heels. So it's like, it's a whole nother persona, you know? So it's interesting. And I I love learning that about each person. But yeah, details like that really, I felt like were really important in the project. And it's something that I want to keep photographing. Yeah, because I feel like it just tells a lot. About yeah, that,
1: that transformation is
0: who they be. are yeah and even just it kind of also gives off what kind of class they are sometimes even you know like middle class or lower class you know there's one that I'm editing right now that you can tell that they're doing okay but the house is a little old and ruggedy you can tell that you know there's been leakage on the ceiling for example and it's interesting because it's like, okay, well, it's not that beautiful sometimes. You know, you think they, they're they probably doing fine. I haven't asked because, I mean, they're just my friend. I just, you know, I don't want to get too deep down and personal right, just right. yet. Right.
1: <laughs> Let me rip open your heart now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but, yeah, and then I think it has a lot to say about who they are and where they come from. And it's different. You know, some people have a great... Apartment to themselves and it's like, I wish I could do that. Yeah, I,
1: I didn't know that that is kind of an interesting way where if you're looking at your subject, you're looking at a very, very small frame. And anything outside that frame could be equally horrible or or amazing.
0: Yeah, and the one thing that I was kind of afraid of with this project as well was not being able to find enough marginalize people because it, even in sex work it, there's like this power dynamic with like you know cis male and female white sex workers and they tend to be the ones that obviously have the least problems with safety or financial and you know and it's it's crazy cuz you're like wait but this is a community that we all feel oppressed on or with and at the same time they're still a lot of classism happening through it, you know?
1: Yeah, I, that would make sense. The the six-foot-tall, blonde, blue-eyed, augmented white woman probably doesn't have as much to worry about. Yeah, In theory, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to judge. In or, theory, no, in theory <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's dangerous. Then somebody who may be trans, African-American and going through their own personal issues, they're far more easily to be Targeted, target, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Exactly, so... And I is, is, there, is
1: there like a pecking order, so to speak?
0: It's hard because also those that are marginalized, I feel like, have to tiptoe about even being photographed or also wanting to be a part of this project because of, you know, fear for their safety. And I understand that, and I'm not going to force that, you know. But And this is why I'm doing this project, you know, to bring out these issues and really share these stories because it's... A lot more common than we think. And not a lot of people, or at least the media, you know, doesn't express when so many trans victims are gone. But when there's a blue eyed white girl, it's all over the media. But so, then,
1: why, with all that, why did you choose to f- focus on just photography and not say, well, let's make this a video project and sit down and capture interviews? Was there a reasoning behind going with? still images versus something with motion and sound involved?
0: I mean, I would have loved to play around with a little bit of sound and video, but because of the time that I only had for the semester, I kind of just went with photography, but then it kind of brought up mixed media, and it really helped me push like using different mediums like screenshots, which is something that I felt like was Not allowed in photography, (laughs) (laughs) you know. Like, oh, am am I crossing a line here? Right. But I feel like sometimes it's good to cross a line and really push boundaries with photography. And well, and so much
1: of your project, I think we said it before. It it makes even more sense in your project to focus on that screen because this all really takes place for the most part in your project and sex work more commonplace now on a laptop screen or a phone screen, it's not even happening in the real world. It's all virtual.
0: Yeah, most of it. For the most, for the, <laughs> I mean, for a
1: lot of what's going on. I wanna
0: say 65%. Yeah, but yeah, like about 65. Yeah, and then playing around with Polaroids, I felt like was kind of necessary. I was very inspired by Juliana Beasley, her book, Lab Dancer. And she's photographer and stripper. I don't think she does it anymore because I looked her up and it's kind of hard to find her. Not doing the dancing anymore, more just or no. I think she's. I think she's photographing still. Okay, but she's kind of like not on social media. (laughs) I was like, where are you? (laughs) But yeah, she has a lot of Polaroids in her book. It's more of like the inner. I forget the name for this. The inner part of the book. Um, The end pages. The end pages, yes. yes, end pages. yes. <laughs> yeah, her we'll end call pages. we end pages in case I'm wrong. <laughs> her end pages are polaroids of different dancers, and she would just photograph while at work. It was really cool because there were some photos, like one where there's the in between shot of one of the girls eating, you know, in, right. in the middle of eating while well, before she gets to the next client, and then there's just clients hanging around on the side, and it's interesting. You're like, wow, you know, yeah. You know. Sometimes you don't really see that. Yeah, the girl that. just
1: eat her chicken wings for crying out loud. Yeah, <laughs> give, give her a break, guys.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I I barely have ever gone to the strip club. It's funny because like I was nineteen when I went into one, and I didn't even get to really experience anything—not even alcohol. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until recent for going to a party of, of one of my friends, Maritza. They uh, worked there for like nine years or so, and they moved to New York. So I was like, I want to photograph your event and I had been needing to photograph them. I still want to do it virtually, but yeah, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Why I, haven't I, I been into a strip club? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of
1: those things where you do look at some of these, the, where you, and you see it in your book, and it's it's so much part of this performance art where any type of performance, whether it be a play or a film, it's like, you, you know, it's like that one step into the light, it's like, wow! Then, Two steps back, ew. <laughs> uh, but it's much more fascinating. Yeah. Talk to me about what some of these next projects are. How's this project evolving? What's this going to become now?
0: I'm still going to continue some virtual shoots. I'm leaning towards strip clubs for my next volume. Um, i got
1: to ask. That's got to be tough now in COVID. That's, I or mean, is that easier?
0: Now it's that interesting because when I went on the 12th, it was full. The, really? Yeah, like people don't no. really... I mean, the dancers wear uh, masks and stuff.
1: You know, your project was your final project for school. And now you also have a book sample and you have the website. What is the goal as far as a final project? Is that something... where Are we looking that far down the line?
0: I do want to finalize this book and finalize the title and implement maybe a little bit more like... Politics of what goes through the sites as well as maybe a little bit more of, like, actual safety issues that have happened or maybe even just, like, letters, things like that. A little a little bit more, like, mixed media in there. But, yeah, I want to finalize it a little bit more and after that hopefully create more volumes of different sex work, you know, and get maybe a little bit more specific on sex work.
1: In, into the different genres. Exactly,
0: okay. yeah. And I think that'd be really fun and interesting. So I am going to keep shooting this until I can't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, good. So, so wrap it up. Tell me, uh, where can we find the work? What's the best place to go and view this project?
0: My website, violettagphotography.com.
1: Okay, and all that will go in the show notes for sure. Outside of this work, I mean, you are a regular quote-unquote air quote regular photographer doing regular things yeah um is that a separate website as well or is it all one website where people can contact um, you for, for a no yeah
0: it's all on the same website yeah i just have one website for all my photography you can see my editorial work you can see my reportage work and this specific project documentary project
1: so there you have it some great advice about entering a career of art and design And as more and more art and design career opportunities are on the rise, employers are always on the hunt for the next generation of talented and of course, skilled creative professionals. At Academy of Art University, you will get those work ready skills that employers want. You can study on-site in downtown San Francisco or anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request more information about our 40 plus areas of study in art and design, including game development, fashion design, photography, UX design and more, just visit our website at academyart.edu slash creative mind. I'm your host, Bobby Brill. Thanks for listening.